Okay, guys. Um, thank you and welcome to today's episode. My name is Leighton Davison. I am uh, one of the producers here for The Voice Podcast. Um, as always, we're joined with uh, Reed. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How about you, man? Good, good. Nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. And uh, our special guest today, Mr. Kyle Gibbard. Kyle, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for your time. Appreciate you being here. Why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from? Absolutely. So uh, now hitting uh, five years of experience in uh, project management, I would say middle management of the construction industry, specifically Toronto and the greater Toronto area. So now, uh, obviously, having spent time working my, my way up through the ranks, now I'm starting to take on bigger projects. So context, context with that is uh, project size. Now for me, I did a project that was worth approximately 65 to $70 million. That was a 16 floor interior commercial construction build for a company called Omers, which may be familiar to anyone who has municipal pension plan. Uh, and that was also done with the landlord Oxford, which is also a large commercial real estate investment firm that handles a lot of construction, I, I would say internationally. Wow, that's great. So, um, Kyle, what, so what are the, some of the differences that have been um, made in your work uh, ever since COVID-19 hit? Right. So that's, that's a big question. So uh, with the, the first sort of set of guidelines of essential services that were set out by the provincial government, um, on Ontario, it was pretty broad. So at first with construction, everyone, it was seemed like a lot of construction sites were staying open for that first couple of weeks. I guess we can say what March 15th was the official sort of lockdown. Here's a list of essential services and businesses. We saw everyone kind of, it was unsure in construction. So it was business as normal. Unions were still, you know, sending out guys to jobs, uh, new construction and, and whatnot was still happening. Uh, and then quickly within, you know, by the end of the month, pushing into April, uh, we started to whittle that down. So the biggest effect was, um, Commercial construction, such as building uh, the interiors of offices, uh, you know, new restaurants, things like that, was really affected because there's a lot of people working in close proximity. So right. they were the first ones hit. Uh, and then when it gets to city work, uh, and I'll expound on this later as we progress, but with city work and infrastructure, uh, utilities, industrial, has been fairly unaffected. Everyone's taken measures to, you know, having a, a, an alcohol a hand sanitizer station um, some it's been optional some places depending on your union or personal preference to wear a mask uh, but a lot of people are, are erring on the side of caution you know we have in construction we do have a, a plenty of n95 masks don't tell the masses um, but but it, you know that sort of procedure has definitely taken place for sure yeah so um what i'm kind of gathering from you is a lot of the projects that would be larger scale with larger um, <laughs> larger worker populations at them are are definitely on hold. But when you have the smaller areas where we can only have a single tradesman, are those still ongoing? Yes, they are. So um, if I were to break it to, to, to define sort of the categories of construction, you have industrial construction, which is, you know, so trades there like boilermakers, industrial electricians, refrigeration technicians, etc. Fairly unaffected. Commercial uh, is a bit of a mixed bag um, because you can have larger projects, like I've mentioned, but what you're bringing into this, you, you're right. There are jobs that are happening at night, uh, which has already been procedure with a lot of companies anyway. You have 
you know, active tenants, active units that have uh, a customer or, or the tenant operating in there. So, you know, you would have a crew of one or two carpet guys or painters or a single electrician, which is rare. Everyone usually works in pairs. That, again, you're right, that's, that has helped. That has been a big, um, you know, push in some little areas. But again, you're only managing small construction jobs. You know, I mean, you're almost, you're less than $50,000 of construction value at that point. Yeah. And so that's just, um, that, that's really hit the revenue of your entire project as a whole. Has it really affected a lot of, uh, of workers in terms of their pay? Yeah. So um, again, there, there's two sides to that coin uh, of labor force is, you know, you have your union guys that have something in place that protects their wage. Right. And then people who are a lot of self-employed trades, right? There may be a flooring guy who's only an outfit of two people. It could be him and his son or him and his brother, whatever it is. It's, it's hard for them. Thankfully, you know, that parameter was changed with uh, EI and, and the CERB yeah. uh, that self-employed workers could now apply. So that, you know, that was a concern early on. It was like, you know, a lot of the self-employed guys were like, is there any way, you know, we can, we can still paint, we can still get into this unit because my income has been effectively cut off. Right, right. And how, how's living in Toronto right now, Kyle? So I'm located in Oakville, which is, okay. you know, a, if I may, a stone's throw away from the downtown <laughs> core. And um, it's been okay. So I, I've ventured into Toronto a couple times, obviously, just to kind of check traffic. Commute is awesome. I wish it could be like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but people are, there is still action. There are still people. I mean, these are multi-million dollar towers. These are businesses that are, that are still, you know, still around. Someone has to maintain them. So you are seeing a bare bones cruise kind of out there, just, just polishing the surface of things um, in a manner of speaking, but, you know, keeping, keeping the lights on, or, you know, maybe it's going in to change the filters of, of HVAC units. You know, there is still stuff that is going to happen. Um, but, you know, that large scale construction is, is really having a problem. Yeah. Um, I believe in previous conversations, Kyle, we've, we've might've estimated, and this may not be coming from us from, uh, might've been coming from official economic sources, but correct me if I'm wrong, but the total construction industry in terms of, uh, monetary value for Toronto for the next decade was close to, I think, an estimated a trillion dollars. Yeah, uh, that's, it, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's a good estimate. So, um, I think, yeah, you and I had talked about, it was something like one point. 1.1 trillion uh, up until something like 2035. Yeah. Right. It right now, uh, commercial construction in Toronto is at 1.1 billion for 2019. Uh, so they were projected to hit 1.52 billion construction this year. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, but the impact of that is where you're, this year is going to be affected, the bottom line. There will be a catch-up. There will be a massive surge because at the end of the day, lenders are being as friendly as they can, but lease agreements have been signed. You know, Everyone has scheduled their trades to come and perform work at a particular job site for the large-scale ones. Um, so now we're going to see this accommodation period. The numbers are going to pick up. Uh, we One of the questions you know, I saw that we if I may, is that the impact of this particular pandemic going into the future. I think the impact is going to be fairly localized. Um, and then you, like I mentioned, is you will see the industry pick up steam almost right away. The only thing that could change is how much 
I, I think the commercial interior construction world is going to be impacted because you we've moved towards building open office spaces. Um, that's part of the new culture of a lot of offices. You know, research backs up open office space encourages collaboration, etc. So now you're going to see people perhaps constructing less on the commercial interior side because now people are going to evaluate how can we get people working either from home or how can we get them working in the same space, but we're going to have to spread people out or are we going to have to have different shifts for people coming in in order to sort of, you know, put a, a buffer in between how many people are actually in contact with each other. Yeah. Or do you think even some companies would even just cut down their amount of employees entirely? I think absolutely. It, this has been a forced pilot test, a pilot project into who can work from home and what, and what sort of stuff um, is, is going to work in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sort of based on, on all that, do you have any predictions, Kyle? I mean, that, that's such an impossible answer, like question to answer, but um, do, do, you, do you have any predictions as to maybe whether this, when this will be over or, or when your industry you think might go back to, to normal? Right, so uh, obviously the construction industry is, I'm sure, driving uh, the charge, leading the charge to getting everything back up and running as soon as possible. I think right now for April, May, the projections are somewhere in the ballpark of 150 to 200,000 workers affected in construction. So that's, I mean, that's a huge group of people who aren't. Yeah. Is that, are those GTA numbers? Sorry. Those are GTA numbers. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so um, the going back into it, uh, it's tough to say. I think that, I think that we'll start with, I mean, we only know when we're going to know the end of it. The end of it, realistically, when we say back to normal, I don't know if we'll be back to normal construction-wise. This seems like a great time. New York City has construction that happens exclusively at night, you know, apart from emergency projects, infrastructure projects. This could be, over the next five years, the catalyst into a conversation with Toronto City Hall saying, maybe we need to look at, you know, nighttime construction, because it contributes to so many other infrastructure issues, as traffic jams and Right. And, and deliveries and all these sorts of things. So it may be just the driving force that says, let's look at nighttime and see if construction is possible to do it. So would you be on board with something like that? 100%. Great. It's, it's rough and it, I, I've lived it. I've done the night shifts and, mm. and you, you don't sleep the same. You don't. And that adds up if you consider, if you take into account the human resource, which is an important element of construction, um, you have to look after your workers. And like anything, when you change a societal norm of nine to five, you know, that's, that's a pretty huge construct. And when you, and getting unions on board, that'll be a tough sell. You know, yeah. unions have double rates when it comes to any work past a certain time, usually after 6 p.m. Because guys expect that they can come in, you know, electricians are in at 6 a.m. in the morning, they finish at, you know, two or three in the afternoon and they're home before traffic hits. And do you see these union delegates maybe um, leaning towards this because of because we have to be cautionary about how we move forward? Yeah, it, it's it's going to depend on the on the meetings that take place. So I, I did some uh, research before this meeting, and a lot of unions have obviously, for for reasons of the pandemic, stopped general meetings altogether. Um, so that consultation with with stakeholders and union members is a little it's it's broken. You know, there still is newsletter, there's still a phone, we still have those. You know, but it, it's a little difficult for, for that true conversation, that true input from, from everyone to take place. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. Um, definitely going to be one of the hardest hit areas of, 
of industry and employment in, in uh, Toronto. I think one of the bigger ones here you're seeing in Kingston is obviously the educational and uh, the federal government sector. Um, all the schools are closed, all the prisons, everything. So it's only magnified in the greater population centers. So um, yeah, I just, I hope we come out of this soon, guys. It's, uh, yeah. I don't know how much longer a lot of people can take. I hope that it's not gonna be the 18 month projection that they were saying a couple months ago. Uh, but you definitely have to slow down uh, the opening up. You can't, can't just right back to normal or else uh, we'll have a second wave. And I think more people are going to be affected by it. So um, moving on to that note, Kyle. For sure. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I was just going to ask, uh, how have you and your family been doing personally? I know you have, uh, you have a couple of young boys at home. How is this? Uh, they're not really old enough to be in school age yet. Uh, but how has this kind of affected um, the rest of your family? Yeah, so thankfully, I mean, I try to look at the positive side because it is easy to look at the fact that I've been under the same roof uh, for, you know, a long time. It's it's it, it's terrible. It's not the greatest um, situation, but the positive side of it is in construction, you work insane hours. Uh, when I was on the larger project, you're working 12, 14 hour days, you know, you're home to sleep for, you know, six to eight hours, maybe fit a meal in there with your family. So now this time has, has at least, you know, I'm raising my kids with my wife. Um, she's a stay-at-home mom, thankfully. I have that support here. But having that time to be with them, raise them. Uh, my two-year-old, we're potty training him right now. So having that, again, you know, talking about human resources and, and the mental health of your human resources, it's been great. You know, now when I go back into construction, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to come back in with that fresh mind. I, I feel like I've had a mental break, you know, a mental sabbatical so you know that i think that's been positive um taking them out at least you know we can go to the park you know we keep it keep our distance and get some fresh air get some vitamin d and that helps stave off the uh the old scurvy and cabin fever <laughs> yeah for what it's worth for sure until they close all the parks down and everything mm -hmm. for sure and are, are you hearing a lot of concerns from from some of your friends on the front lines right now um, like what's sort of a common theme that you're you're sort of taking from uh, maybe some construction friends or anybody work that's still continuing to work right now? Yeah, so anyone who's continuing to work um, is, I mean, they're happy, you know, they're, they're just happy to be working. That's, yeah. that's a big thing. You know, everyone is doing their precaution. Like I said, it took that two to four weeks for people to really take it seriously. You know, it was kind of like, okay, you know, it is what it is. But now you are seeing, you know, guys, I mean, at, certain you know people like to shake hands or you know that could be something that is done away with and and people are starting to you know stand a bit further apart or or figure out different ways to greet each other so everyone's kind of open to it now it, it is working um you're always going to have the one percent that's you know it's a conspiracy theory or this isn't we don't need to do you know this is a little extreme or whatever it is but at the end of the day you know we all have families and a common saying is we all just want to get home in the day want to be safe get home to our family yeah, I've been reading some of those conspiracy theories and none of them add up, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Like, how, how do you get 3 million people to lie about like a whole, a whole pandemic? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, and anyway, that, that's a whole rabbit hole that Absolutely. I, can't Absolutely. it's a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even quickly, one perspective too, a lot of people don't think about is there are some construction sites that are active and it's, the ones that were already in motion have been kind of allowed to continue, but any new work, uh, especially on the city side, it isn't happening. You right. have to consider city council's meetings have been suspended and limited to emergency sessions. 
and and city council decides your budgetary spending per quarter right we're we're at the start of the second quarter of the year we haven't even seen any stats or anything from the first quarter because everything's just in disarray secondly uh these people who normally would sit in the office and approve this stuff a, lo a lot of city councils will have uh permission without city council to operate with about five to ten thousand dollar in that range if, if a project comes under that threshold they can approve it themselves uh, but even then you know they aren't working and then even if a new project were to start when you get into a project you need the architect to sign off on a change you need the engineer to come in and say nope that that fire line can't go there we need to move it here there there are so many other moving parts and other offices and consultants and project management staff we can't operate without them we, we need that okay yeah so everything's kind of on hold eh? a lot of 100%. things yeah yeah what um what about this situation is most frustrating for you is it just not being able to see the projects kind of come to fruition and kind of move forward or is there kind of other things that are going on that uh are really grinding your gears right now yeah i th i think it comes from a personal angle with i know a lot of of men and women that i work with they love to build they love their craft. Uh, you know, it's like every industry, you'll meet the people who are doing it just for a job and you'll meet the ones who like to come in. They like to work with, with their coworker and, and have that relationship and, and step back at the end of a project and go, we did this together, you know, to take that final picture down a new corridor and a new office space and stand there together and feel proud of what we've taken it's been taken away from a lot of people and it is hard on a lot of people and sometimes the honeydew list at home just doesn't cut it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> um so kyle i asked this question to most of our guests that we have on um let's say the quarantine is lifted tomorrow what's the first thing you're going to do what are you looking forward to the most when things go back to normal what are you going to do First I thing. think the, the first uh, thing is all you can eat sushi with my <laughs> main man, Layton. There you go. Uh, of course. So uh, my wife can come too. Yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know it, has, it has given me pause to reflect on. I enjoy a little of, uh, you know, one of the seven deadly sins, gluttony over yeah. at the sushi joint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to echo that. I think it's just going back into a social group and just embracing the people that you miss. I mean, I miss my friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think everybody's the same and uh, I'm a hugger. I just want to give some hugs out and spread oh, yeah. the love when this is all over for sure. I'm, I'm the same way, Leighton, like, you know, like, and doing these Zoom calls, um, like doing stuff like this is great because, you know, we, we get to be a little more introspective. Um, and, you know, just being, but being on a Zoom call with my friends is, is nice to kind of catch up. But at the same time, it's not the same, right? You know, Never like you is. kind of, you crave the environment of being around them all, right? Yeah. And just, and, and having some laughs. It's, it's just different when you're able to be face-to-face, -face, obviously. And oh. again, we all know those for obvious reasons. 100%. And that's why I think uh, we're all lucky, I guess, right now, because we're all with family. We all have somebody else in the household. Um, I feel bad for a couple friends of mine or, or colleagues that are single and living on their own. Um, how do you get through 8, 10, 12, 15 weeks of single isolation? I mean, your only contact with the outside world is when you go to your weekly grocery store. I just, ah, man, I feel bad for some of those people. I mean, as much as technology is, is keeping us together, um, it's times like this where if you're an extrovert and you need people in your life, so this is going to be one of the toughest times for sure. 
And Kyle, are you, are you able to keep a schedule going right now? Like, how, how are you able to get through your day-to-day pretty much? It's a disaster. I don't even know what a schedule is anymore. What is, what is routine? You know? Uh, no, no. Generally, you know, my, my kids are up, you know, 6, 6, 37 a.m. So, um, you know, try to get up with them. I will, I will admit I've been sleeping until 8, 9 a.m. And that's been great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely try to, you have to have some schedule. I found that first month, that first four weeks, I, I would forget what day it was flat out. <laughs> just, yeah. It just goes by. Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely with, uh, not being in school anymore, I definitely notice that as well. Um, you just, every day, every day is the same. What day is it? Nobody really knows. You just have to look at the calendar every once in a while to figure it out. So, um, hopefully this doesn't keep on going on forever, man. We're getting sick of it for sure. For sure. Um, so anyway, before you wrap up the, the discussion here, um, Kyle, I know from many of our previous conversations, um, the church is near and dear to your heart. How has that group kind of really come together to kind of keep on providing services and still uh, remain a strong part of, of your community? Right. So, yeah, thanks for asking. That's a really important part of my life. Um, it's been great. I have again, 99.9% of churches are obeying this. We're exploring that we can do live streams that, you know, our pastor and our, our ministry team can use this technology that, you know, as we might say, as God has given us, as, as he's allowed man to build. And we have all these wonderful outlets to, to do this properly, to do this safely. And we have. Um, so specifically, my organization is the UPCI, which is United Pentecostal Church International. And our leaders at the very top, uh, we, we call him the general superintendent, David K. Bernard, issued a statement right from the get-go saying, you know, please obey, obey the law that your, your, your governor, president, prime minister, uh, you know, premier sets out. Please, you know, follow these guidelines. You know, this, we all work together to do this. Not only is it a good reflection of who we are as a faith community and as, as Christians, but it also is just respect for your fellow man. And I think that a big part of my faith is to love one another as we are loved. And that's a huge part. And how can I show my love right now? That's by being there for a Zoom call for a friend or being on Facebook or just staying inside and saying, you know what, your personal safety and my personal safety is bigger than the need to be in a church, a physical church building. Have you had any conversations with anyone in your community that might be not as open-minded to, to these following these protocols? Obviously, you know, there are people that, and we're seeing lots of people that want to go into church and they, they want to have that, have that routine. Um, are you able to talk to any, is anyone in your circle um, having those views? Yes. So um, I'm definitely Facebook friends with some leaders in, in, in the States uh, and around here, but specifically one, there's a current situation in Louisiana right now. Uh, with a pastor called uh, Pastor Spell, I believe is his name. And, you know, he kept, you know, going back into his church to, to do this sort of thing. So you see kind of, I don't know if he's affiliated with us. I don't, I don't think that he is, but seeing that kind of thing and, and the general, uh, you know, perception is from, from people in my organization, it's like, we get it, you know, you don't, is, is it opening and paving the way to, to prevent these sorts of gatherings in the future? Maybe, but at this time, you know, everyone's just making a call saying, based on what the health ministry is saying, based on what, you know, doctors and, and health professionals are saying, this is what we need to do. Absolutely. And a lot of us are, are uh, you know, sentient enough to say, like, that's good enough. And so I am thankful for that. And, you know, I hope that 
I hope that me even just sharing that shines a different light on kind of what's happening because it is, you know, unfortunately with a lot of any group, you know, be it faith-based, political, whatever it is, you will always have that 1% that is extreme and kind of tarnishes the reputation of the rest. 100%, 100%. Yeah. And uh, garnering a lot of news, a lot of attention as well, and kind of unfortunately painting um, a lot of people in a bad light in a bad in a bad view i guess because the because that extremist and it's kind of i think people take that view and extrapolate it onto a larger group so um thank you for your input and your insight on that um it's good to kind of hear a sentient sane perspective <laughs> in that area for sure we need more people like you on the news kyle <laughs> there you go <laughs> for sure awesome um well thanks again for joining us uh, again today, Kyle. Um, really appreciate your input. Um, I think we've got some good stats and some news on the update of the construction industry whenever that comes back around. And uh, I hope you and your family are able to get through this happy and healthy. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, and I encourage um, any viewers, the research, you know, I look at stuff like Avison and Young, which is a commercial real estate. Um, they write, you know, topical papers and white papers. Have a look, type into Google, you know, effects of COVID-19 on construction. It is that easy. Have a look for yourself and, uh, you know, fact check me. I don't mind. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we'll end it there. Um, again, thank you, gentlemen, for both your time. And uh, Kyle, thank maybe you. we'll have you on uh, in the next couple of months with some updates. Right on. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take care.